News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Messias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to episode 115 of the Luke Messias Show. Guys, there is so much going on. I keep on talking about midweek podcasts, and I think I'm going to probably have to start doing some of those over the next 30 days because so much is happening. We could talk about constitutional carry and pro-life stuff and all sorts of other issues, Um, but I'm going to focus today on the budget. The Texas House just passed the budget. The Texas Senate passed its budget, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, and the Texas House has now passed it. Um, No surprise, the budget grew. Um, No surprise, property tax relief was not prioritized. And um, no surprise, the Republican speaker worked to defeat several very strong conservative uh, amendments that would have prohibited the use of certain funds. These wouldn't have been laws, and we're going to get into that in just a little bit. I'm going to be joined by Tony McDonald, who's, uh, you know, kind of our resident legal parliamentary expert on this issue. Um, But Uh, The Republican speaker teamed up with Democrats to defeat a number of conservative amendments that would have prohibited spending your tax dollars on Marxist ideas like critical race theory in the classroom, that would have prohibited our teachers and our education establishment from literally telling little girls that they're actually little boys because of something they like wearing or a happy toy, a happy meal toy that they choose that they like. So um, we're going to get there in just a second. But first and foremost, like I said at the start, um, this budget doesn't prioritize property tax relief, and that is very unfortunate. Uh, Your property taxes are going up this year. They're going up next year. They're going up the year after. And two years ago, the legislature came and they said, we're going to completely redo this system and we're going to change and fix the property tax system. And they didn't. And not only did they not, um, but they can't even afford to make sure your property taxes don't go up this year or next year. Why? Well, because at the end of the day, in order for them to do that, they have to not spend money on something. That's how the budget process works. They have to take that money. They have to give it to the public school system because the public school system has a base amount of money that it needs. And the state has an obligation to fund that. But anything they don't fund get ma- gets made up essentially with property tax money and that's local money and then you have the property tax Robin Hood scheme where some money gets taken from rich school districts, it gets given to poor school districts. So there's a, there's a very complicated situation. I'm not going to try to unpack the public school funding system to you right now. But what we have with a compression, a property tax compression is the ability for the legislature to take billions of dollars out of their 255, 60 billion dollars they're spending and to take money and go, we're going to compress your property taxes, which means we're going to give more money to public schools and they're going to then have to pass that on to you in the form of property tax reduction. Hey, normally we would take $3,000 or $7,000 or $10,000 from you for your home, but instead we're going to take $8,000 instead of $10,000. We're going to take $5,500 instead of seven. Because the state is giving us more money. And Texas could have prioritized property tax relief because people are literally getting taxed out of their homes and they didn't. And at the end of the day, we complain about property taxes and we see them going up every year. But I can tell you that Austin as a whole does not care that citizens are getting taxed out of their homes. They don't actually care that people on fixed incomes who are trying to feed their family and work hard can't even 
afford homeownership because it's not about getting a mortgage and then paying that mortgage off over a period of time when your property taxes go up every single year and a greater percentage of your income is taken away from you. It is a major problem and people do not feel relief. I'm going to give you the definition of relief because some people, um, I had a, a disagreement with a number of people about whether or not property tax relief was even in the budget and there seem to be some people who think there is. I won't name names. I respect various different people at different times uh, on this subject. But the definition of relief, just so everybody understands, is a feeling of reassurance and relaxation following the release from anxiety or distress. So you tell me next year when you get your property tax bill and the state of Texas says, well, we compress some of it, whether or not you have relief. I don't think you're going to. I think we know you're not going to. And I think it's a major problem. That being said, the Texas budget um, went – there's a couple things you should be aware of. First and foremost, a number of very conservative amendments were added on to it. A lot of conservative amendments were just pushed into Article 11 or pulled. That was unfortunate to see. But Representative Tinderholt, Representative Slayton, and Representative Biederman put their amendments on. And um, I think honestly House leadership didn't want tough political votes for their members and so they accepted the amendments. Um, so we defunded a number of crony capitalists. Funds, uh, you know, we being conservative efforts in this in this arena. Um, Representative Biederman had a fantastic amendment that he offered, which was going to identify um, savings within each state agency, where they would have to go through and identify one, five, or ten percent of their agency where they would cut if they needed to cut, which is a great way to identify a bunch of efficiencies. And again, that amendment got added on. If it is taken out in the conference process, which we'll probably be explaining conference committees more over the next 30 days for those of you who are following along because this will start happening. But it will go to conference. It will get negotiated. If it gets taken out, it's going to be weird because you have two Republicans who are essentially going to have to work actively to strip this stuff out. So we'll have to see if that is the case. Um, but uh, some huge victories there. And then we got to the controversial stuff. Uh, Jeff Kaysen offered an amendment uh, to ensure that no money was spent on programs in the public education system that advanced Marxist the Marxist idea of critical race theory. And uh, this amendment was very controversial. In fact, a Democrat member called Representative Kaysen evil for even bringing the amendment to the body. And then the speaker worked with that same Democrat who called Representative Kaysen evil to kill the amendment without letting it have a vote. Um, so we're going to go to the ruling and then I'm going to bring in my friend Tony McDonald to uh, basically – kind of unpack this process so that you Texans and some of Dade Phelan's defenders can have an opportunity to understand the rulings that were made by the speaker and the implications they have. So uh, let's go to that ruling. Representative Collier raises a point of order against further consideration of the case in Amendment of Rule 8, Section 4 of the House Rules of the Grounds that the amendment changes general law and appropriations bill. The writer imposes on public schools a curriculum requirement that certain subjects may not be taught using appropriated funds. Under Section 28002I, Education Code, the State Board of Education may not designate the methodology used by a teacher or the time spent by a teacher or a student on a particular subject. The writer's curriculum restriction is forbidden by general law and thus violates the rule. Accordingly, the point of order is well taken and sustained. So, um, 
as I as I mentioned before, this was seen as a probably one of the more controversial amendments that um, has been brought had been brought up uh, during the budget debate and the speaker, um, which is Dade Phelan. I know it's Joe Moody in the chair at the time, but this is considered a ruling uh, by the speaker. Uh, says that this is general law. That it can't be that it cannot be added on to the budget. So I have brought in my friend Tony McDonald. Um, I call him the parliamentarian expert. Uh, Tony, uh, <laughs> there are no such thing as experts. There are no such thing as. But I have read some books. Tony, know. my dad said, all you need to know to be an expert in something is more than the person you're talking to. Yeah, well, that's what my my slogan is. There, there are no experts. There are only salesmen. There so you go. If I wanted to sell you on the fact that I was an expert, well, then you I could would do be it. one. Yeah. Okay. So let's. Uh, you're a non-expert uh, in parliamentary procedure, <laughs> but you know a lot more than the average Texan, especially more than Correct. our viewers and Correct. our listeners. So let's break this down a little bit, um, and uh, we're going to get to this a little bit in the next amendment too, because. Because just before this, Abel Herrero had passed an amendment that essentially prohibited the use of taxpayer dollars to be used in any school choice program. Okay, right. and this has been a vote that Abel Herrero has brought up almost every session. In fact, every session I can remember for the last four or five, he brings up an amendment. Everyone has to vote, and it's an up or down vote on school choice, which is a Republican priority that also um, you know Democrats largely oppose. And so he brings this idea up, and it gets voted on. Right, um, And then a very similar idea gets brought up but just says, hey, just like we can't fund school choice programs, we can't fund critical race theory programs. That's right. the idea right. behind it. And the speaker says, uh, yeah, you, we're not voting on that. That's creating general law. Right. And it, it, folks need to understand these are rules that exist here in Texas. The, the basis of this ruling is a rule that is a good thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's familiar with Washington D.C., where they pass legislation. It's like, okay, we're going to pass a bill that spends a trillion dollars, and in the bill that spends a trillion dollars, we're going to give you know the we're going to we're going to create a museum yep. in Topeka, Kansas. Uh, we're going to give money to the soldiers, and then we're also going to give the soldiers legal authority to like incarcerate you and your puppy, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. you know, and so we're going to raise the minimum wage. We're going to raise the minimum wage yeah. and we're going to pass Obamacare. And, yes. you know, we're going to do all these things all in one big mass. Yes. And so we have a couple of rules in Texas, one called the one subject rule, which says bills need to have one subject, except the appropriations bill, which spends all the money for all the things that state government does. And so naturally speaking, you would just be able to do anything and everything. We would have one of those horrible omnibus Bus, yes. does everything, yes. you know, bills that would be possible um, because, you know, appropriations bill touches on many, many different subjects. Yep. But we have this other rule that says, hey, you can't make general law through the appropriations bill. This is about spending money yes. and then putting – doing that. Well, there's this thing called riders. So the legislators put in rules on how money is spent. Yes. And so what's the difference between – a policy that's in the budget, a rider that says, okay, well, we're going to restrict how money is spent yep. in making general law. Well, the natural and obvious thing would be, okay, making general law means like changing the codes permanently, yes. changing the laws. Yes. That would be banned in an appropriations bill. Real easy to understand. I mean, yep. you know, there really wouldn't be any dispute over it. But the way this rule has been interpreted by leadership increasingly as we've, you know, in the last few years and over the last decades, but this goes back to the 30s, 
the leadership has increasingly interpreted the rule to say, okay, you know, if if your writer, which says the money can't be spent a certain way, differs from how we think we view the general law that's already out there, well, we might say that it's out of order and we might block your ability to bring that amendment up, yep. bring that rider up, have yep. people vote on it. And so that's what's happened here. And I know we're getting into a, a technical discussion. We have a lot of listeners that we get feedback from all over the state of Texas that this is, you know, this is their access to Texas government. Sure, so I do like right. sometimes kind of getting down in the details, right? Sure. Because it's like how does the average Texan know what a rider and a general law right, and anything right. – you know, means you, that's why we've brought you here. The way I see it is you, you explained it very well, which is, okay, you cannot permanently raise the minimum wage, which would require you to go into statute and create this code and do this. You can't pass a, uh, a bill that changes TEA code that says we are going to prohibit the following items from being taught and the following items can be taught and this, you know, yeah. an entire if you overall – If you passed a bill that said schools can't teach critical race theory, yeah. right, that would be something that would be permanent, right? Yes. It would be there. It would be there 10 years unless repealed. It's yep. there until it's not. Right? And in fact, there's two bills that address this issue. The interesting thing being if you pull those bills up, they're multiple pages long, right? Because you right. have to define what is critical race theory, what is it? It's sure. very detailed, right? And this is a permanent law. But there's also, like the Arrero Amendment, a way to just say, hey, for this budget, the legislature does not find it appropriate to spend money in this fashion. For these two years, don't go taking this money we're giving you and use it it to do this thing. And so – And that's not making a law, right? I mean it's literally saying – we're going to put a rider in that restricts – prohibits the use of money in this certain way. And what we've seen here is evidence that these rulings allowing certain riders, allowing – you know, this is a Herrero Amendment, a Democrat who is against yes. school choice programs. Yes. That's allowed, yes. right? OK. So you can temporarily over the next two years ban any kind of creativity that mm-hmm. might create some kind of – School choice program. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly how that would even happen, but let's say they mm-hmm. did somehow. Um, you can you can ban that kind of creativity with the money that's being handed out over the next two years. But if you're a conservative and you say, "Hey, I really don't like that teachers are teaching you know radical left wing Marxist Marxist ideas. racial you know agendas in yeah. school," I don't like that. That's a recent innovation. I don't like that this is going on. You know, in the same way that Mr. Herrero doesn't want a school choice program with the dollars that are being appropriated, Mr. Kaysen doesn't want a critical race theory program yep. with the dollars that are being appropriated. And so he says, hey, you know, I just want to, to prohibit this for the next two years just mm-hmm. while we're spending this money. It's not permanent. Mm-hmm. This is all I can do here is, yep. is ban the money from being used for that. And they come in and you see that these are political decisions yep. by the speaker – Okay, saying, well, I want to allow them to vote on this school choice amendment, the Herrero Amendment, but this critical race theory thing, eh, opposition to that. And so he says it would change general law, which is really exceptional because what they have said effectively is if you read state law, teachers must be allowed to, to teach, teach critical, critical race, race theory. theory. The, the State Board of Education, they even mentioned the State Board of Education. Yep. The State Board of Education can't stop 
teachers from teaching critical race theory. The, the, the speaker has taken the position that all of the stuff we have in code, and if you go read it, I mean, all the statutes we have are consistent with the teaching of traditional American values, yep. patriotism, all of this. Yep. And then you literally have them going, well, but if a leftist wants to push this agenda, they must be allowed to do so. Mm-hmm. So um, he's making a political choice to abuse the rules, to, to, to not use them in one case yep. and to use them in another case to say, I don't want Republicans to be allowed to vote on this issue that would confront and stop this far left agenda. Yep. You know, frankly, because it passed. Yeah, right? it you would. know, the Republicans would had a vote it. on right. it. They voted onto the budget, and then all the Democrats would be ticked, and the headline would be, "Hey, the yeah. legislature takes actions yeah, to defund." Texas took action to ban and defund critical, critical race theory. That's right. And and uh, so, you, one thing you've said, which I think is important to understand, is one: these are all political decisions by the speaker, the totally. chair, any speaker. This isn't just Speaker Phelan, Speaker Bonin before him, Speaker Strauss when they made point of order rulings. It still is a political judgment call, right? And the reason we have the challenging the ruling of the chair in place, which we'll get into in a second with Representative Slayton's amendment, is that the body can even make a decision to overrule the chair. So meaning the entire – 10 people could just say, hey, I don't like that. And then all of a sudden you could have a vote and it could go into the bill. There's nothing illegal about this language being in this budget Absolutely and not. passing into law. And, and if you, you – know, if Republicans disagree with the speaker, they have an opportunity. We'll talk about this appeal process. They have an opportunity to do that. But most of them are too you – know, they cower in fear. Well, we can't challenge leadership. They might be mean to us yes. or we might get a plum. You know, we might not get invited to the social yep. event or we might not yep. make it on the committee we want to if we confront the speaker. And so there's this uh, – uh, supplication, you know, to the, yep. to the speaker. You mentioned, and I want to just circle back to to clarify this one as well. Um, his ruling acknowledged that under the speaker's interpretation, uh, he believes that critical race theory is being taught in Texas code and is protected. Maybe he he, he might not have said it is being taught, meaning, but he does believe that the teaching of critical race theory and the ability of teachers to teach it in schools, is currently protected in state statute. It's currently protected in code. And that essentially, you know, you cannot tell them they can't. Yeah, the state, the the elected state board of education, Mm -hmm. and this is interesting because the the rule they cite says, well, the state board of education can't do this via its rules. And so you have a little bit of a logical leak to say, well, you know, the TEA or yep. other fig- other groups that have kind of a role to play yep. in ed- uh, you know education administration they can't either so that's a little bit of an intellectual yep. leap but they basically have said look uh, the state board of education which sets the rules on curriculum they there's a thing in there that, that basically is trying to protect teachers to say, well, we're not going to just micromanage them down yep. day by day. It's yep. exactly what they're going to do, exactly how. Yeah. And like there's a little sub clause that says, yeah, but you can tell them they have to do a certain amount of lab time. And you can tell them, you know, so yeah. that's what we're talking about in the statute. And they pluck that statute out of obscurity and say, oh, this means right here. We this can't says, vote on critical race we, theory. We can't stop them from teaching <laughs> critical race theory, which is just it's a, it's sham, a, it's a it's, sham rule. It's laughable. Yeah. Yeah, and it really is. Rule. It's a joke. And and th- I think that's the point is they're playing games. This is a pure and utter – it's theater. It's a game. Correct. They know it. The reps know it. The well, reps hope that everyone else doesn't know it because 
nobody talks about it. Leadership, and then it goes leadership wants everything that happens on the House floor to be scripted, mm-hmm. to be pre-decided, you know, to be decided in advance, to be negotiated in secret, because that gives them control over the outcomes. Uh, you know, if people can come in, if a, if a representative Kaysen can show up on budget day and say, hey, yep. I want to amend the budget to accomplish something that's a priority for my constituents, well, that wasn't decided in advance. That yep. was That's being decided on the spot. And so there's a temptation for leadership to use and abuse the rules to block amendments, to block yep. changes. Because frankly, they control the committee process. Yep. They appoint the committee chairs. Yep. He appro- appoints the appropriations committee. He appoints all these people. So the speaker and his people control what is being presented for a vote there on the floor. So as, as far as they're concerned, they would rather have it. You just don't have amendments. Yes. You know, on the, We don't need amendments. It's perfect. It, yes. we, we wouldn't have brought it to the floor if it wasn't yes. perfect, right? Is kind of their point of view. And so there's a temptation to abuse those rules. And so the real problem you know, obviously is in that abuse of power, but then also the failure of the members to uphold their end of the bargain, which is to say, well, wait a second. I kind of want the ability to occasionally present an idea mm-hmm. and maybe change the script a little bit. Yep. You know, I want to have input on this. I don't want everything to be decided in yep. secret uh, by the lobbyists in a dark room somewhere. Yep. I want it to be done in the open. Here on the floor, where I have full input as a member, yeah. um, you know that it's the failure failure of the representatives to, you know, um, defend their prerogative, their their ability to have input into the process. That's so, that's really what so. We're, we're going to get on to the, the second controversial amendment. So Representative Slayton offered another amendment, very similar to the Arrero amendment, but instead of saying school choice programs, it said. Uh, you know, basically programs, things that uh, where the TEA people under this education code. Um, so basically, think of it as like the entire education complex cannot spend taxpayer money. It's not appropriate for them to do it um, to affirm a child's sex that's opposite of their biological sex. And this is an issue that Representative Slayton has quickly become kind of the champion on this sure. session. He's been talking He's about gender to modification. Kids. He's trying to defend these kids. Um, and uh, and wants the legislature to take action to stop the sexualization of our children with Correct. you know the transitioning of a three year old girl psychologically from a blocking of their puberty and surgically into a boy, which she is not. And so um, Representative Slayton has made this big deal and he had this amendment that again was very similar to the Herrero Amendment. There was a point of order that was called and uh, the speaker again ruled in a very similar fashion. You'll talk to us about the nuances of it, it, right? It was a little different. Um, And so I want you to break that down. But we're going to quickly watch uh, the back and forth between Representative Slayton and uh, Dade Phelan and then we'll we'll come back to it. Mr. Slayton, for what purpose? Mr. Speaker, parliamentary inquiry. Please state your inquiry. Um, on page 152, the Herrero Amendment, what was the ruling on that amendment? Mr. Slayton, we have passed that amendment. Your inquiry is not in order. Mr. Speaker, parliamentary inquiry. Please state your inquiry. Are you aware that on that Herrero Amendment, the same defense was used in the 85th session and just a few moments ago? They used the same defense. Are you aware, Mr. Speaker? 
Mr. Slayton, rulings on points of order are not subject to debate. Mr. Speaker. Mr. Slayton. My amendment was a cookie cutter version of the Herrero Amendment, and it received a different ruling. What about precedent? So this is Kerry Cheshire and Tim Harden coming back to you doing a we, live broadcast. Of the Mr. Slayton, your inquiry is not in order. Okay, Mr. Speaker, parliamentary inquiry. State your inquiry. We'll cover this if in a, a second. If a member uses the same defense as others, what is their recourse if they feel like because they were ruled different than others, what is their recourse? You may appeal the ruling of the chair. Mr. Speaker, parliamentary inquiry. Please state your inquiry. How do you appeal that ruling? How does one appeal that? You need 10 members to appeal the ruling of the chair. Mr. Speaker, is there a deadline to turn in those 10 signatures? You're welcome to come down and talk to the parliamentarians about that question. Mr. Speaker, do I need to turn that in before we go to the next amendment, or would I have to, could I turn that in later in the day? The ruling would have to be appealed before we move on to the next item of business. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. So here you have a ruling that is made, and um, and Tony, why don't you tell us about the ruling made? I know we didn't watch it because there's just a ton that we could watch. I don't want this to be an hour-long program, but tell us about the ruling on the Slayton Amendment. What what did they say? Yeah, so a little bit of difference there, but it's the same rule. It's the yep. same rule. Rule 8, Section 4, can't make general law in an Appropriations Act. And here they've come up with this line. They said, well— this would uh, this prohibition against using the funds to affirm, you know, gender identities opposite mm -hmm. of biological sex, something mm -hmm. that nowhere in code, you know, nowhere yeah. out there in you, code, you can't find an obscure code. You can't like, find an obscure code that says this. Well, they, they have to <laughs> affirm gender identity because <laughs> this is something made up by the radical left, you know, yeah. three years ago, and yeah. now you're being bombarded with it. So they don't have anything on that. So they said, okay. This would create a new program and it would create a new requirement where they would have to make findings of fact and they and, – and you read it and you said, no, it says you can't do X. This. It doesn't say you, you, must, you must investigate the biological sex of all t students, although you, you probably have that documentation, OK? But it's like, uh, uh, you know, basically they treated it as – well, you need to look up everybody's skirt and make a determination yeah. and then you can't then affirm something different. No, that's not what this amendment even said or did. Uh, but they said, oh, this creates an affirmative duty under law that – and you can't do that uh, with an appropriations writer. And so um, you know, this is another one. It's kind of up is down, down mm -hmm. is up. And so 
uh, that's when Representative Slayton went to the back microphone, and he's been very competent for a freshman. A freshman member, the old joke is, mm-hmm. you know, you show up and you sit down and you're quiet for a whole session and you mm-hmm. figure out where the bathrooms are. And um, that's a bunch of hooey. I mean, these people can have great input on the process. They're only guaranteed to be there one session. Yep. You know, they get challenged and beat and redistricted out of seats and all kind of other things. And so, you know, you only have your one shot to do something yep. to, to improve the world. And uh, Representative Slayton's been doing a great job at that. And so he actually went to the microphone and said, hey, I'm trying to figure this out. You know, mm-hmm. this Herrero thing, mm-hmm. y- you know, you could prohibit a whole school choice program via a little budget rider language. And so that was that was OK. And, uh, you know, I copied that. I, he says cookie cutter. You know, mm-hmm. I, I took a cookie cutter and I said, OK, here's this Herrero amendment that says you can't have school choice program. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a, an amendment that says you can't have a gender uh, dysphoria affirmation mm-hmm. program and uh and you you know what gives the same mm-hmm. same defense and they kind of don't answer that but they really get into it about okay well how do I appeal this mm-hmm. and and it really punctuates look you've got to get 10 you basically need 10 colleagues 10 of these republicans to to do something about to yep. care you know to object and to object pretty much immediately, you know, soon before they move on to the next amendment, the next order of business, uh, you know, you need ten people willing to stand up. And I think that's, you know, Representative Slayton hadn't, you know, said this outright or anything. But well, we have not seen one of these appeals, so we have somewhere more than one, right? We've got yep. a, a Slayton and a Kaysen and some other guys who've been, you know, yep. Biederman and Tenderholt, a few other guys who've been doing things. So I think you maybe have four people who might care. Yep. About uh, their role as representatives, might care about these kids. Yep. You don't have you don't ten. have ten. Yeah, right? they're it, not it's ten. Pretty clear on these issues. Yeah, on these issues, there's not ten who are willing to to fight for kids. There's not ten who are willing to. Um, well, I guess in both cases, we're fighting for kids, whether they're mm-hmm. indoctrinated in one yep. way or, or another way. Yep. So uh, the last issue, which which we'll talk about, and I'll, I'm going to give a little bit more of a background on this one. We don't have a video, but I'll I'll keep Tony here um, <laughs> as we uh, as we close this one out. He might have a couple uh, last thoughts. It was a really fun amendment offered uh, by Jeannie Morrison, and it wasn't just offered by Jeannie Morrison. So here's what you need to understand um, if you're watching this. So honestly, this is, in my opinion. This is much bigger than a budget debate, okay? Uh, Jeannie Morrison and a bunch of other more senior Republican members, some Democrats, these are people that were completely, uh, I would say, kicked out of the process by Speaker Phelan and and honestly, probably more so by former Speaker Bonin. I mean, Dennis Bonin basically um, got with his friends, Dustin Burroughs and Greg Bonin and Jeannie uh, and, you know, Dade Phelan and said, here are all the people that have wronged me and I want them all punished. And they punished a lot of Republicans. They punished more Republicans in the committee process and in the construction of their leadership team than I've ever seen somebody punish. Joe Strauss in the past, he'd punish five people, sometimes one guy, Stickland, you know, or a couple others. I mean, <laughs> right. he did not punish everybody. And um, and when we say punish, I mean, it's over-inflated terminology, kind well, of, to some degree. It's, it's a... You know, a demotion. Rela- demotion to obscurity in the, re- the process. And the reason it's right. considered, I use the word punish is because it's thought of as being a legislators take it as a punishment. Correct. Right. Because these legislators, I mean, they, their involvement in the process and what committees they're on and what positions they hold and whether they're a chairman or not matters a lot to them. And uh, even when Dennis Bonin took over, there were a lot of members. And if I can even say, yeah. you know, they, they still have the opportunity to affect the process probably more than they did before. 
but it's it's not in a go along to get along fashion. If you want to influence the process in a go along get along comfortable fashion, well then that's something you have yep. to be elevated to that by the speaker. And so it's it's like saying, well, if you want to influence the process, you're gonna have to work really hard. And so yep. these people go, oh, well that's a punishment. Make me have to work really hard. Right. So so. Anyway. so Greg Bonin, one of the things that uh, gets discussed a little bit in the budget is that we have a bunch of money coming down from the federal government. And uh, it's like $32 billion. This is not a little bit of money. It's a ton of money. But it hasn't shown up yet. So it's not appropriated in this budget. And Greg Bonin talked about that. The Democrats talked about it. COVID bailout. It's basically all this massive COVID spending, the $2 trillion, $32 billion of it's going to make its way into the general revenue – or not general revenue, but into state funds, federal funds, and we get to appropriate it for various different purposes. And so uh, Greg Bonin came up with this great idea um, that he and Dade Phelan and Greg Abbott hatched up, I believe. And uh, and they came up – he introduced a bill, House Bill 2021, that basically said um, when we're not in session, uh, we're going to set up this select committee. And this committee with the governor and the Senate and ours can spend $32 billion when it shows up, right? So we're basically going to have another mini budget we're going to create – and we're going to do and we're going to start spending and the rest of the legislature will not be involved. Right. And we know from the year and a half interim that we went through that Governor Abbott loves being able to do things without the legislature having to be called into a special session. Right. And House leadership loves it as long as they're the ones who get to decide how it's spent. Right. Yeah. I mean like, well, great. So let's set up a select committee where – Couple of us can get together in a room and decide how thirty-two billion dollars. Yeah, remember, spent. like that contact tracing. So, like, yep. you know, you had that that contract that the governor did in like five days, where all of a sudden some obscure, seedy-looking fellow is mm-hmm. is uh, you know getting a contract for mega million dollars to set up a contract tracing thing. Which who knows if that ever happened or mm-hmm. whatever. But they made tons of money. Yep. You know, these things, the money gets spent, but it's not just that money goes into yep. the ether, right? It goes to people, right, in order for them to then do the work. So Jeannie um, Morrison files an amendment, and she is one of the Republicans who has been punished by the Speaker. She's a senior Republican member. She's actually probably a more liberal Republican. She has some pro-choice votes in her past. She's got all sorts of other things that she's done. Um, but she's also used to be the chairman of Local and Consent. This is somebody who at one point was a very powerful Republican chairman within the go-along-to-get-along kind of – I call it the established hierarchy, the untold hierarchy of how the legislature works. Right. This was a disruption of that hierarchy, though, because Representative Morrison, Representatives Martinez Fisher, Tan Parker, Dan Huberty, Ina Minjares, Cheryl Cole, Yvonne Davis, uh, Celia Israel, and I'll just give you, I mean, Four Price and John Smithy and uh, Travis Clardy, Lyle Larson, John Sirier, several other Democrats, um, a bunch of Democrats and quite a few Republicans I haven't even listed, like 30 members all signed on to this amendment. And they say... You cannot appropriate this money but in a special session, okay? Which, by the way, is definitely making federal law. I don't. I mean, like, this is my interpretation of it. I think you could read it, Tony could get, but we won't get into this like no. big debate of it. It might not be re- making general law, but I think, it's like I, I think. But they they could easily say roll, they could easily say that yes. because you're saying okay, well, we're imposing a restriction on how mm-hmm. we're going to handle these funds yep. in an interim. That's the the power of the purse. That's what the legislature is supposed to do. But yep. you know, again, political decision yep. uh, where they say, well, are we going to interpret the rules to mean that you can't do that or mm-hmm. we interpret them to say you, you can do that. So Cody Vasut, uh, 
raises a point of order to try to kill this. Um, and I think everyone viewed that as just Kim kind of trying to do something that would continue to please um, a lot of leadership because this is a great policy just like from – Objectively, you'd rather this money be spent through a normal appropriations process. Well, or or it's it's a it's a member empowerment thing. It's yes. to say yeah. instead All of having of a, get a little club of people spending one fifteenth the yep. size of the state budget. Okay. We should all decide. We should all show up. Yeah, both of our parties. Everybody should get to decide. Should have input, and we should That's all right. you know decide. So, Representative Vasut raises a point of order. Um, and what uh, I think is probably commonly known amongst a lot of uh, you know legislative insiders is the fact that upon discussion with that point of order, um, they had more than 10 names to challenge the ruling of the chair. <laughs> so the chair is now in a situation, Dade Phelan was in a situation where he could either uh, literally say that Representative Morrison's amendment uh, is general law and here's all the reasons, in which case they would challenge his ruling, in which case his ruling would be overruled. I mean like literally the body – the Democrats want to come back because they want to get their input into how it's spent. Sure. And a bunch of Republicans who are not being empowered by the speaker are like, I want to have my chance to do this. Yeah. Um, we're going to – 10 of us will challenge the ruling and then there's going to be an up or down vote and then on whether this gets vote. moved. And 76 of us – can literally overrule you, which then makes the speaker look like the weakest speaker ever. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Which I've never seen done. I've seen it yeah. appealed. I've never seen the appeal be successful. Successful. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean the threat of that is it's a just, big threat. It's a big threat and it punctuates the reality, you know, that the members are in fact in charge, right? They, yep. they're, they want to always pass the buck. They want to blame somebody else. They blame the speaker. The speaker then blames, you know, others. Blames the committee chairs. The yep. chairman blames the calendars. You know, the, the standing committee chairman blames the calendars committee chairman. The Republicans blame the Democrats. Everybody blames somebody else and never takes responsibility. Yep. And uh, the reality is, the only reason that they're not responsible is because they're not cho they're choosing mm -hmm. to not be responsible and to pretend they don't have the authority. Um, Granted, you know, it takes 10 members to appeal. So, you know, if you can't get the – you know, if you're the first guy, you can't get the second guy. Mm -hmm. The second guy can't get the third guy. Yep. You know, you may not control outcomes here, uh, but at the end of the day, it's the fact that those 10 people, you know, they're to blame for not being the, the, the second guy. You know, yep. you're not there being the third guy, the fourth guy. Yep. So uh, at this point, the speaker's up against a wall – they pull the point of order. He doesn't rule on it. Um, yeah, the told, hey, your your you, point of order is going to make me look like a look weak. Very, you need you to need pull, to pull, this pull down it right now. We're just going to have to let this you have to go. pull it. Down. We got to pick our battles. You know. And so at this point, the amendment gets voted on, and it passes without a single no vote. The guy who's objecting to it, who says that already, he voted for it. Greg Bonnet, by the way. Greg Bonin and a bunch of other people that have literally co op Will Metcalf and all these. I mean, Terry Wilson, these people have authored the Bo Greg Bonin bill, which does yeah. the opposite. It I mean, this amendment says Greg Bonin's bill is a horrible idea. Yeah. And we Greg Bonin we want voted for that amendment. Yeah, He's like, yeah. my bill is a horrible yeah, idea. My, my bill is a bad idea. Yeah. We're now for this. We're because. For, because we can't not be for it. Right. Which reveals the game that gets played often here. Correct. Right? I mean, if Greg Bonin's bill was in the 
at the floor a couple days before, he would have been arguing why this was a great idea for Texas. But mm-hmm. now that he has to vote on whether he actually thinks that the people's elected representatives should all get input in the budget process, of course he has to vote for it. Yeah. And so the game, they called their bluff. Um, that vote happened. It was a big loss for leadership. It was a, a good win for uh, people who want more and more legislative and citizen input into the budget process. It increases our likelihood of actually having these legislators back in session to not only appropriate this money but have opportunities to do missed opportunities of Republican priorities that they didn't do. So it's going to be interesting. It was something that if you were just watching the budget, if you were just watching it, live streaming it, you wouldn't have seen some of this stuff. But it all happened. And it had, I believe, a tremendous impact on the whole process. Let me give you – we had time for a little brief history lesson. Yes, yes. And then we'll uh, wrap up. Yeah, in this Rule 8, Section 4, Making General Law Rule, the precedent that they rely on is actually an old precedent where um, conservative rep brought an amendment to restrict abortion funding through the budget. Hmm. And uh, that was the one where they said, oh, well, you can't impose restrictions, you know, on something – General law requires that if the mm-hmm. money best goes to an abortion provider, we give it to an give abortion to provider. Yep. And uh, as you know, in the last few sessions, now we put a thing in the budget every time yes. now that says money can't go to abortion providers. Yes. So that battle has, you know, that changed. So what did the rule? Did the rule change or the law change? It, the political will changed. And yep. so why is it that something like critical race theory? is not being addressed by the Republicans there in the legislature. Well, some of it is that you have a liberal like Dade Phelan yep. who made deals with you know a far-left LGBT caucus to come to power yep. and they're filling a role. But it's but but he didn't he wanted the little committee, right? Yep. And he was for the little committee that distributed the funds. The the bigger issue is that the the standard rank and file member is not hearing enough mm. from their constituent to say, all right, they're gonna they're going to rip me to shreds if we mm-hmm. don't come home and have done something about this Marxist mm-hmm. indoctrination. You know, they're demanding results, and I'm going to go get results. And there's no excuses. Mm. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to come up with excuses. So, you know, folks need to understand these. Whenever they come up with this yep. legalese gobbledygook, it's excuses. You know, and then you shouldn't tolerate excuses. Yes. No, that makes a ton of sense, and I um, I love that example historical example, because like you said, there was a point in time in which there was a speaker who said, of course, you cannot restrict this money from going to abortion providers. That's general law. Dink. So be declared, right? And then three sessions ago, hey, we're putting this amendment on that says none of this money can go to abortion providers. Oh, you know, that's that now is not general law because we worded a little because it's a game. And and it really, it had nothing to do with the anything other than the fact that At one point in time, a speaker decided, I can't rule against this because if I do, the the body will revolt, which shows the power of members. If you had – let's say you had 10 to 15 members who literally said, we are going to demand these type of policy results or else – they could literally force the speaker's hand on all these policy issues, and he would have to. And they put they could put everybody on the one, record two, about three, the issue on Absolutely. all these issues, um, which is the power of each and every individual member. Um, hopefully, our listeners learned a little bit about the budget overall, um, and uh, I'm grateful that you helped us kind of understand critical race theory, gender modification, even this one at the end from a 
tac- you know, a technical perspective because there's already some defenders out there with Dade Phelan going, he's not defending critical race theory funding. He's not. Fun-. It's like, well, I don't oh, he, know. He's saying state law it's requires fact, it. <laughs> okay. Like, I don't, maybe you don't know how a ruling goes and what a point of order is and what general law. Like, you, okay. So now we've broken it down. So now there's no excuses. I appreciate you coming in. Thank you for joining us, Tony. Yeah, no, pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messias Show. This program is brought to you by Scorecard Media. Check out texasscorecard.com to read up on all things Texas. Scorecard Media has other podcasts as well. Yeah, they're not as good as this one, but you should still check them out. Honestly, though, visit texasscorecard.com to see all the content they're producing on a daily basis. If you'd like our podcast to grow, please consider subscribing to the show on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review. That helps others find the content we're producing. Thank you. God bless you, and God bless Texas.